Welcome to Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Coward, along with Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus College and UGASports.com, which I would encourage you to subscribe to. Is there a quarterback controversy? Some say yes. Some actually say no, but not for a reason that you might think. And is Georgia's offense explosive? They can be more explosive, but do they need to be more explosive? That's the question we'll answer next here on Bulldogs by the Numbers. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to Bulldogs by the Numbers. Tug Coward along with Brent Rollins from UGASports.com and Pro Football Focus College. Buddy, what a game. Georgia is the final team remaining in the SEC to be undefeated. How about them, dogs? You've gone through, now you're in game three of the gauntlet that was your the part of your schedule that was, hey, we got to get through this four-game piece of our schedule, and then you kind of take a breath maybe a little bit uh, after that. Now Tennessee maybe makes it a little bit different in the future, but still yet, you're through three games. You've got two weeks off to get healthy. You've done what you've you've handled your business in very convincing fashion. Now go get ready and go get ready to play. Get healthy and go get ready to play Florida. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and I feel good about headed into Florida, even though they had the little um, you know they had a little sneaky uh, upset of LSU. That game, much like LSU, was down. How many scholarship players? It was down. Mm. It was down their two best corners and best receiver, and you know, they still did things. And I think that's that's the essence of the rivalry game especially when you have the guys that are still there are talented, much like with Florida. That's the essence of the rivalry game. That game's going to be you know, a dogfight just like any, any other Georgia-Florida game for the most part. I think Georgia goes in and does exactly what they've been doing. I don't have a big fear of that. I mean, I think coasting into the playoffs is going to be when things start to stack up because Alabama's the elephant in the room. Yeah, it is. And, and you're going to – obviously, you're going to see them uh, in De- December 5th or 4th or whatever uh, the date is. And – yeah, there's some when you really think about how this season is going to play out now. There's some interesting scenarios that that could happen. You talking about with the four hey, teams? Yes. Okay. Because you know, hey, Alabama. What if Alabama? You know, Alabama beats Georgia, and you know they're twelve and one. Georgia's twelve and one, and then you got maybe an unbe- unbeaten Cincinnati. You got maybe I, don't, I think Oregon's going to get beat somewhere down the road. But if Oregon happens to finish with one loss. And they've got a victory over Ohio State at Ohio State as a carrot. Like, you know, that there's just, you know, Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma State now. Yeah. Those teams are undefeated. So, you know, Ohio State, I think, is going to win out and win the Big Ten. Sure. So there's a scenario where you have, you know, maybe four or five one loss teams and an undefeated Cincinnati. 
But, you know, things will happen. College football is great. No, It'll sure. work itself out. Absolutely it will. But if it plays out the way you're just describing, and we're going to get to a quarterback controversy at Georgia because that's what we're here to talk about is Georgia Bulldogs by the numbers. But does Cincinnati get in? Because I tend to think they do. I don't know. I, it, that, it's, I'm on an island by myself on this one. Nobody agrees with me. I, if there was ever a year, like it, it has it. to be this year. This is it. It has to be. It has to be this year. You know, you're saying like you're going to keep out an Ohio State, or you're only going to put in one SEC team. Like now, if Georgia goes and goes undefeated, like that's Cincinnati's hoping. By the way, Cincinnati is massively hoping. Yeah. That Georgia finishes out undefeated. That Alabama has two losses. Like that's that's their that's their that's what they that's have their golden for. ticket. Yes. No, I think so too. Immensely. Yeah, I actually brought that up on the show this morning. All right, so uh, on to UGA. Quarterback controversy. Co-worker of mine, Hudson Mason, former Georgia quarterback. He believes that JT Daniels should be the quarterback as soon as he's healthy. No doubt about it. No questions asked. You feel completely different. You say Stetson is the guy through the rest of the schedule and into the playoffs. I mean, that's a. I will say yes, but it's one of those things where I, I'm, I'm okay with either. Like, it's not like I'm... You're not pulling from one or the other. No. I, I Like, if you look at their combined numbers, the, the two of them combined right now, like right at 73% completion, 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, maybe I think four interceptions. You know, both of them have played and played really, really well when they have played. But the rhythm that you have with, with Stetson right now and how he's playing, like just, you know, some numbers in terms of where he is right now, in terms of in the power five, He's the sixth highest graded overall QB in the power five in terms of uh, passing grade, 10th highest passing grade. Him and Matt Corral are the only two QBs in the, uh, in the FBS, not just the power five, but in the FBS that have at least an 85 passing grade and at least an 80 rushing grade. Goodness. So the element, the element that he's bringing with his, uh, with his legs, it's not like it's a dynamic, take it 60 element. It's not like it's, Hey, we're going to do it 10 times a game. It's a, Hey, we got this, you know, sort of Trump card in the back of our pocket that if we want to use to go get 10, go get a first down like that, just that kills defenses when, when you can consistently do that. And what he's doing right now off play action is insane off play action on the season, 94, 90.4 passing grade. He's 26 of 34, 615 yards, six touchdowns, 18.1 yards per attempt. That number is by far. Wow. That's a big time. The number by far the number one number in the power five. The next highest, I think, is like thirteen. So just the the explosive plays that you're getting right now from him in the play action game, and it happened uh, this this weekend too. It's just it's he's playing on another level. He's playing very very well and excelling greatly at what he's being asked to do. That's the key. All right, let's talk about then the playbook because. My friend Hudson Mason, our friend Hudson Mason, he says the playbook is actually um, a little bit limited with Stetson, and you think it's the exact opposite again. You think that Stetson actually has the playbook more open. It, when you, it's it's definitely just different because when you look at their numbers over the past, you know, over the games that they've played, look at yards per attempt or average depth of target. Like right now. Stetson is, I think, fifth in the power five in terms of average depth of target, i.e. how far down the field he's throwing the ball. And obviously it's more of a run, play action oriented offense with him. But when you think about with JT, right now in terms of Stetson and his pass attempts, I think like eight of 80, 
two or something like that attempts have been screens. With JT, 33%, it's like 24 of 72, I think. 33% of his dropbacks were screens. Hmm. Like to me, if you if you're if you're an offensive coordinator and you're wanting to, you know, the playbook sort of shrink the playbook a little bit. What do you do? You call a lot more screens and you get the ball out of the out of the QB's hands quickly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, versus, hey, I'm I've got a guy who's just consistently pushing the ball down the field. Now, a decent little bit of those screens uh, were against Clemson, so it's a different, completely different game and game plan uh, in general. But still, yeah, that that number to me, the sample size of it is getting to the point where you're like, hey, okay. Why is it that one guy were, you know, running a lot more play action, pushing the consistently, just pushing the ball down the field, and the other guy were getting the ball out of his hands quickly? It sounds to me like if you're going to make a change, you could potentially—I don't want to say take a step backwards, but but you could a little bit, especially with the 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 element of being able to run that Stetson brings. It does, and and, and what he does for your running game, and just the little bit. Of, I mean, in terms of helping the running game. It, it's more so the threat of it than it is anything else. But I think in general, they've just got to be better on the whole from a blocking perspective in the running game. And when they, and then when they block things well, and when like you have Kentucky's uh, number five for Kentucky, Deandre square, he had an awful, awful game, just terrible run fits. Every, almost every explosive running play he's fitting to the outside when he should be inside, or he's fitting inside when he should be outside and just one cut and then big plays. But from an offensive perspective, I just, I, I think their their offense is going to be a little different with each. And you've got like and we've said this before in the past two weeks, you've got two starters. Yeah. Which one do you play? That's yeah. kinda ultimately up to Kirby and Todd Monken. Yeah. So the old adage of if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks kind of goes out the window in this scenario. This is maybe the one opportunity where it's not correct. I, I tend to agree. But I will say, you know, when you watch and I was fortunate enough this weekend to be on the sideline for the game. First time, actually, first time ever, I think, for being on the sideline for a Georgia game. I've been to tons of practices and scrimmages yeah, you and ran like into, that. But you ran into Jeff Foxworthy. How cool was that? Uh, uh, yes, yeah, good friend Jeff. Uh, him, him and I are we. He's been on a, our, uh, a podcast we do before, but still, yeah. When you see things on the sideline, you see how teammates respond and how teammates interact with guys, and just the vibe and the how things look. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell there's an energy right now. Yeah. That there's a there's a there's a rhythm and a flow and an energy in, on their offense and a belief. Uh and, and I think they have that belief no matter who's under center. But I think, you know, there's there's a little something right now with, with what Stetson's doing. I love it, man. I am a fan of Stetson's. I like his story. If he were to win and I'm predicting a national championship, I'm just saying if he were to win a national championship, it would be the underdog story of the they would make a movie about this story in college football that's i think you're you're 100 right a guy that was a walk-on transferred out wins a national championship at a junior college transfers back in was guaranteed nothing he wasn't even sure he was going to be the backup then he becomes the starter and takes the team to the point where we are now where they're seven and zero, and and the playoffs are right around the corner and gosh man the cherry on top with that would be a national championship and that is a legendary story that would be. It very much would be. And obviously, there's a long way to go to that. Oh, yeah. completely. Gonna, I'm just – like, you, you couldn't write the script more perfect if it were to work no, out that way. Definitely not. But the explosive part, like, I mean, hey, we got to be explosive. We've got, we got to be able to score into the 40s and that kind of thing. I don't know that, that Georgia is doing it now. I think they don't necessarily – they can be as explosive as they want to be. But right now, I think they're being as explosive as they need to be. I love it. 
I love it. And it seems to be working. Yes. Right? It so, is. So when they need to be more explosive, we feel like they can. Yes, but there, I mean, there are certain things within the offense from an efficiency standpoint. And I think it's, especially if you go like run, run, pass, like that, those kind of things. If you're going to do that, you got to be getting chunk, you know, you got to be getting seven on first down, uh, six, seven on first down, as opposed to, you know, hey, we're getting four here and then we're getting two or three here. And now we're third and four, like one little, one little tip, one little play. And then the defense is, or the offense is off the field. I would want to see less third downs in general, but you know, you look at this past game for, you know, they had 30 points, 416 yards on just 47 plays. So they, they, they did their thing. They indeed they did. All right. So uh, shifting gears a little bit to let's talk about Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey, because those two are, also stars in this offense and both are freshmen yes one a redshirt freshman one a true freshman but bowers we've talked about him he's he's their best offensive player he's their best mis- mismatch and now with darnell back oh my god now healthy like by the way you know all the recruits on the sideline before the game just kind of watching georgia warm up right in front of them they, they put them all right there oh yeah and then the guys warm up right in front of them you could just see when darnell gets and gets near them Every single one of them, like the best of the best in the country from a recruiting perspective, every single one of them look at that guy and are like, holy cow. Like he's just that different. Yeah, he is a, a mattress. Being. Uh, he, he's in the ability at that size, like now, but now you put him with Bowers, the mismatch, like you, you have your, basically you have your Kyle Pitts in Bowers and you have your Gronk in Darnell Washington. And that's something, by the way, that nobody else in college football has. Uh, do you feel like they're being utilized to the extent that they need to be, or is it something that you would like to see them utilize more, or is it back to they will when they need to being explosive versus when you need to be explosive? I think it's they could throw it to them every time if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I, but, yeah, but but still, yeah, I think there's a there's a element of balance that you want to have as an offense, and I, and you know there's a physical component to this game, and the running game as much as the passing game means more and you know, the metrics and all the things that we look at say it means more the element of being able to just line up and just destroy someone physically. It, it, it will never go away in this game. And what that, especially what Darnell does when, and mm-hmm. now the three of them, by the way, Bowers, Darnell, uh, and then John Fitzpatrick, the combo of all three of them, like what you can do, the unique things that you can do offensively, it gives you just limitless options. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. All right. Lad McConkey. Let's talk about him because this kid I, I say it every week. I stand by it. When you look at him physically, when you look at him, he does not look like he belongs on the field with some of the other players. He's just a kind of a tall, skinny white kid. And then all of a sudden he starts playing and it's, it, it changes your mind almost immediately. He's a straight baller. He is. Uh, and, and you could see the, the level of respect that the opponent uh, opponents are gaining for him. You think about this game coming into it. Who was the who was the sort of offensive weapon that was talked about? The guy who I think was leading at the time the SEC and might still be. I don't I don't look at like those kind of stats a lot of times. But uh, Wandell Robinson for Kentucky, you know, little jitterbug, lightning bolt, just insanely quick and fast, and all the things that he did. Well, guess who's averaging like five more yards per touch right now? Lad, McCom- that would be Lad. Let's Lad go. is about seventeen and a half yards per touch. Wandell after his. 13 touches for just 45 yards, by the way, uh, <laughs> in that game. Right. Uh, 12.3 yards per touch. So, Lad's legit. 
And I think someone had told me that he hit upwards of 22 miles an hour on the GPS uh, at certain points. So he like the speed is real. He doesn't have deceptive speed. He has legit speed. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Goodness gracious. All right. Then on to the uh, the Georgia defense, because they did exactly what they're expected to do. Um, I'll say this about the game as a whole, and I'll let you respond, and then we'll get to the defense. I didn't think Jacob, uh, I didn't think Georgia played their most crisp game. I think everybody watching realizes that they didn't play the best game that they have, yet they still blew Kentucky out of the water. I mean, it's because they kept the ball. Kentucky kept the ball so much. I mean, I, and uh, we were talking about before the show, but I don't know that I've ever seen a non-service academy slash triple option team have the ball for almost two-thirds of the game, like for almost 40 minutes, and only have 243 total yards. It just like the math doesn't seem like it would work out. No, no, it doesn't. But, you know, Kentucky kept sort of getting those just little bit of, you know, from a third down standpoint, third and long, they weren't getting, they weren't converting third and longs. They were converting some of the third and shorts. They were nine of 19 on third down. And, you know, with you did that and you did that, they, they sort of live by that. But like Robinson, his first catch was 14 yards mm-hmm. on that first drive. Mm-hmm. After that, he had 12 touches for 31 yards the rest of the game. Like you're just, you're not going to score points. You're going to, what Kentucky did was move the football. Mm-hmm. But if they made a mistake, penalty, put them in sort of behind the chains, or if they got in third and long, it was over. They had no chance. And the way to score points against Georgia is beating them down the field and in the throwing game. And if you can't do it, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna score over twenty points on this defense. Yeah, no, they're stingy as all get out. What are the big numbers, the uh the good numbers that we want to hear about when it comes to Georgia's defense? What do you got? I mean that, like in that game you had Darion Kendrick has highest coverage game in a game, three pass breakups. Now, just overall, looking at it overall, not necessarily that game specifically, but you got Nakobe Dean, who's the second highest graded linebacker in the Power Five. The play he made on the screen uh, later in the game that before the field goal block, like that, that was a phenomenal play, fighting through three guys. I think I put that video of that one. Yeah, great that's, where I, that's, the that's where I saw it because. I was at the at the baseball. I was at Truist Park getting ready for the Braves game, trying to keep up on my phone as we're going in and getting settled. And then then I saw your post, and I was like, goodness gracious, that's incredible. Yeah, it's such a mental great play from a mental perspective as well as the physical part. But he, you, you got, he's up there. You got Jalen Carter, who's the fifth-highest graded D lineman in the Power Five. And of your 16 sort of regular players, the guys who play the most snaps, 15 of those 16 have at least a 70 grade or better which is, you know, kind of that above average starter creeping into, you know, the elite to, you know, above very above average levels. The only one that's not is Dan Jackson and he's at 69.4. <laughs> Bare, and so just so barely he's, outside. He's, you know, he's literally one one play away from from a metric standpoint of, of being above that. So the entirety of the defense is playing so well. You got 10 players with at least two sacks, but I will say this, in two, you need Chris Smith to play in 2 weeks. Okay. All right, because Florida does have the ability to pass downfield. Well, it's not so much eh, they they could. Well, they could. But they yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, okay. But, and they have a good enough coach from a scheme standpoint who can find ways to get both Dan Jackson and Quay Walker in coverage because those two guys like like standing up in coverage for those two guys it's not going to end well. Uh, typically a lot of times, especially if you, if you have a, a primetime quarterback. But that's why I wrote about it last week, and we talked about it, I think, a little bit last week. But it's, it was especially evident in this game how much zone Georgia played to be like, okay, 
take your five yards. Then we're going to tackle you. All right. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to get in third and, you know, you're going to get a holding penalty. You're going to get a, you know, false start penalty. And then we're going to tee off on you on third and long. But the amount of zone they played was just, it almost looked like the entirety of the game. Uh, just watching it from the side. And I'm going to rewatch everything. I haven't yet to rewatch everything uh, on the TV copy, but still yet that those, those things are, are, they're allowing the defensive line to, to do its thing and get after the QB. And the combination of that, that's, that's the one that I'm just waiting to see. Can someone stretch the field in that 10 to 25 yard range uh, in the passing game? You get a little bit of nervous energy. Thankfully there's a bye this weekend. You can kind of uh, get through it and, and get ready for uh, the cocktail party, but man, oh man, because Florida, like they're ready to, they're, they're ready for their role as spoiler. Their, their season now is this game. Yeah. This is the legit biggest game of their season season yeah no because doubt. they've you know they've peed their leg and ruined the rest of their season. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt yeah. no doubt about so, it so you're gonna have one supremely motivated team uh coming into jacksonville and you know for what in essence is a home game for them it seems like but you know it, it's it's gonna be a tough game it do is. i think georgia do i do i think georgia can do what it's done in a similar fashion like the kentucky game yes I do. I, I think you could. I think you're going to see a similar game like we just saw against Kentucky, where it's the you know within a score, one score game at the half, and then over time, you know Georgia's talent, depth, and the defensive abilities just take over. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's going to carry them the the rest of the way, whatever the rest of the way is. You know, I certainly don't want to make any predictions because the fan in me won't allow that. However, <laughs> however, has, is there anything else we need to we need to hit? Uh, how is the fan in you doing, by the way? Uh, you, know, you have the good. number one team in the country. You have uh, the Braves are now up 2-0. I'm telling you. Uh, after two straight walk-off wins. I mean, are we in a different universe in, oh in the state gosh. of Georgia here? I, I feel like I'm walking on air. I, I've just I've been waiting my whole life for this, right? And and I've I said that back in 2017, you know, 2018, the national championship game and I've been waiting on it my whole life, been waiting on my whole life, and then to get my, you know, uh, my heart broken. Would this, and I and I ask this, of all the things that happened bad to Georgia and the Falcons and the Braves, whatever, roll them up into the, you know, the 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 curse, and I don't believe in a curse necessarily, but just, we just had a lot of bad things happen in the last few years for Georgia and Atlanta sports. So would, if this were to happen, Georgia wins uh, the Braves win a World Series. Georgia wins a national championship. Does it wipe the slate clean? Because I say yes. Oh, 100 percent. Oh, exactly, man. How there's nothing anybody could throw up in your face at that point. You'd be like, dude, we just my two, my two teams just won a World Series and a national championship. Like the only thing that would compare to that is when Boston was doing it every year and did it for like you know like four or five years straight. So I've thought this for a while, and I'm probably going to jinx the. I mean, no, every, no everybody's doing thing things. A jinx. Right. This Braves team, by the way, especially with Jock Peterson, him specifically, gives me Red Sox 2004 vibes. Right. Just that I don't give a you yeah. know what. We're, we, were, we're we, weren't expe- we weren't expected to be here anyway. Just well, whatever. Curses, who cares? You know, pressure, no, whatever. Nobody cares. Like that, with, especially with him and his personality. Yeah. And the, and the, I think him – being there is a big, big, and he was obviously a big difference maker in the game yeah. uh, last night. Oh, so, gosh, but, yeah. 
So yeah, a lot of Red Sox 04 vibes uh, yeah. from the Braves right now for me. But, no doubt about you know, it. From the, from the Georgia perspective, one last thing, and it goes to that point. Every part of the fan base should enjoy the absolute mess out of the last part of this year, from here through the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Because think about, you're probably going to have, I mean, I wrote about it last offseason. It's probably even definitively the case now likely have about 14 to 15 players drafted mm-hmm. well it, depending upon how things shake out in certain areas maybe 12 or 13 but still, still a, a large ton, number a large number you might you're probably i would venture to say at least two guys on each side of the ball from a coaching staff perspective are not there next year at least two yeah. that's just feeling i have yeah but you know so everything about this year enjoy it because it's going to look completely different. I think next yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. That's why they got to get it done. All right. So last thoughts, closing out, um, Kirby smart said, no big deal. T- calling a timeout with, you know, three seconds left of the game or two seconds left in the game, whatever it was next year. I expect Georgia to hang a, it doesn't matter what the team looks like. They're hanging a 50 on Kentucky that they will not forget that. So he Kirby probably said the same thing when Gus Malzahn made his quote after the 2017 game. We beat game, the dog right? crap out of him. He Perk Kirby's like, ah, it's no big deal. We got to control. We can control. That guy is the competitive to the nth degree. He one thousand percent filed that way. Yeah, right. And and they wore Auburn out in that SEC championship after after that game. You know, leading up to the national championship, we were talking about it. So yep. yes, and it was. Um, you know, I was like, what a jerk move. You know, and then everybody was – some of the people, not everybody, some of the people with, with, with me was like, well, you know, he's playing through the whistle. They're playing. I'm like, nah, I, I'm not I, I can, that By one. the way, from a coaching perspective, I can see, hey, we're going to end this game on a positive note. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what was in the back of his mind, that we've sort of gone thus far. We've literally kept the ball the entire fourth quarter. If, you know, let's walk out of here on a positive, you know, at least in that sense, hey, if that was positive. We had a positive ending there. We didn't do all that for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> 20, 22 play drive. Good job by them. Yeah, yeah, I guess, Co- I guess. Covered, covered, the, covered the spread. Yeah, I'm telling you. Anyway, it was uh, it was fun. It was a, a good game. I don't know what I'm going to do this weekend. I, I mean, I'll be watching the Bra- – well, I'm hoping the Braves will already have, have, already have it all wrapped up and, uh, and headed to the World Series. But, um, yeah, who knows? Well, it's – it's a great outside of baseball. You know, the Falcons are playing the horrible Dolphins. Uh, so, you know, outside of that, it's a great weekend to go, you know, go out on a date. Yeah, Go date have night. some fun. Yeah. Go, go enjoy, because the, the rest of the slate in college football this weekend, eesh, Yeah. Just not so great. Yeah. It's, 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 it's college football. At least it's that, but it's not, there's not yes. much to it. No, nah, I'm with you. No. And, um, but it was good. It was good. It was a great weekend. Great. Uh, uh, like I said, love the fact that the Braves are doing well. And of course, love the fact that George is doing well, but wait my whole life for these, and the, these, these the things ener- to happen. The energy in the stadium was unreal. Was it different like, because you, unreal. you, you haven't been to a game in several years because you're always doing, you know, the work in the game. You're always working the game and, and do you guys do the watch party with uh, coach Don and a lot. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and- was it different? Was it different than you expected? And is the energy better than you expected? The, the energy in that stadium, because I've been to that, I've been to that stadium, you know, four, I've been to four or five games. The energy there massively trumped anything that I've ever been involved with, at least there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, from from kick from right before kick, the entire place was full, rocking, ready to go. Like I couldn't hear myself talk half the time. Mm. Uh, 
but I will, the biggest thing is, you know, it's a diff like the size and speed of what their defense has. Like, you know, it's a thing you see it on tape. You see when you watch film, but it's just a whole different level of seeing it when you see it in person up close, how big, like people not like Quay Walker, like the dude plays like that dude. Oh my gosh. He is, he huge and yeah. fast. And yeah. like all of those guys, like you just, it's, it's unreal to see like the different level of human beings that exist to play. high level right. football. That's right. Exactly. Right. Let me uh, encourage you to go to uh, Pro Football Focus College and subscribe there or at UGAsports.com. You can do that for $99.95 a year, $9.95 monthly. If you want to be the most well-informed Georgia fan at the water cooler, at the office, or just with your friends when you're talking dogs ball, that's how you do it. The most information imaginable is at UGAsports.com. You cannot go wrong with it. So uh, make sure you like that and subscribe. Follow Brent on uh, social media. He is at Brent Rollins, PhD. You can find me at Tug Cowart. And uh, go dogs. Have a great week. Subscribe to the pod. Yes, and so what am I saying? The most important thing. Like, subscribe, share. Rate. Rate, all that. that. Everything you're supposed to do with a podcast, if you could do that for us, I'd certainly appreciate it. Otherwise, go Braves, go Dogs, and uh, and have a great day. Thepodcastpark.com is your home for the fans' entire stable of original podcasts. If you're a true Atlanta sports fan, you need to stay connected to shows like Welcome to Madlanta, featuring Atlanta's rich history of sports legends. College football fans will love the Chuck Oliver Show podcast. Two hours of college football talk every day, all year. And baseball fans get to dive into Domino's archive of baseball legends on hardball. Subscribe to all these great shows and so many more anywhere you get your podcasts or stream them free 24-7 at thepodcastpark.com. Presented by Associated Credit Union. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.